Welcome to the 96th episode of Deoga, a podcast between two friends about the latest in society, politics, and feminism in Indonesia and the world. I'm Stephanie Duncanison. And I'm Sweden Lee. And this week, we're not going to talk about COVID-19 because we could all take a break from COVID-19 news. There are other there news are other. that are also important to talk about. Um, so yeah, so for this week, we're actually going to talk about the verdict that was given out to the Nafal Baswedan acid attack case last Thursday. Um, we'll talk about how it's a very disappointing verdict and break down to our listeners. Why it's a disappointing verdict and you know and we're gonna also do a refresher on who Nofel Baswedan is what he's done for our country and just talking about the nature of corruption in Indonesia it's a really uplifting one guys in case you didn't get that that was sarcasm um, essentially for us this case is not only a disappointment to Nofel Baswedan's case but a disappointment for the fate of our corruption eradication commission in general and how it shows essentially the weakness of our system as it is today. So, uh, on that really uplifting note, here's to it. menjatuhkan vonis bersalah terhadap dua pelaku penyerangan Novel Baswedan. Bagaimana pendapat Novel Baswedan atas vonis yang dijatuhkan hakim sudah bersama kita penyidik KPK Novel Baswedan langsung dari kediaman Mas Novel. Selamat malam Mas Novel. So who is Novel Baswedan Sway? For people who you know maybe are not familiar or you know heard his name in passing and you know kind of forgot who he is because it's been a while. You know, and if you're not like it's been a while. Yeah. If you have, if you're not like constantly reading the news, you probably have not. You don't really know who he is. You might have heard the name, like Stephanie said. Uh, Nafal Baswedan is one of the chief investigators at the Corruption Eradication Commission or KPK, and for the last few years, he's really been championed as the hero of uh, Indonesian justice, really going after the big guns when it comes to corruption, like going after high-profile politicians, judges, police officers. And really not being afraid to ruffle some feathers and make some enemies. And he definitely made some enemies. Uh, that's part of. Made a lot of enemies. Yeah, that's part of why this acid attack case has um, gotten a lot of attention. Not only the fact that it was such a brazen attack, but it's also who could be behind this. There's so many people who honestly. Who hates him? Yeah, honestly have a reason to want him dead, to be honest, right? I mean, that. The acid attack isn't supposed to be like, I mean, an acid attack is not when you want to kill someone. An acid attack is when you want to intimidate someone and intimidate others who are doing what he's doing, right? Um, yeah. Which I thought was kind of a interesting choice of attack, right? Why acid attack? Um, yeah. Prior to Nafel and this kind of really brave corruption investigators, Kapeka has previously been more of a symbolic institution where you know definitely there were cases where they catch the business trying to bribe a corrupt lower level judge or a corrupt uh lower level minister and that's like kind of the era of Kapeka where oh there's this big case where a businessman was caught red-handed trying to bribe an official with two hundred thousand dollars cash you know like which is a sizable amount but this is not a systemic 
type of corruption, which is complicated right. and involves power and complex bureaucratic systems. This was more like straightforward. Um, White collar crime. <laughs> straight, straightforward cases of corruption, right? And yeah. it's not, while you know, important to to catch, it's not the same thing as what Nafa has done, which is more focused towards large systemic cases of really influential powerful figures such as Adena Fanto, who was the former Speaker of the House and uh, Chairman of the Golkar Party, one of the biggest, most influential party in Indonesia. And he was indicted for and sentenced 15 years for stealing um, $150 million out of a fund of $440 million for electronic identification cards, for example. there was different cases involving the Bank of Indonesia and uh, also the arrest of the head of, of the Constitutional Court and, you know, the head of even, like, the former head of the police itself, Budi Gunawan, which, you know, that was a big case that Budi Gunawan actually managed to um, get off that case. Um, but so there's just, like, some serious, serious, really big guns that he tried to catch and successfully caught. And that's the whole thing about corruption in Indonesia, right? The reason why KPK was established was not to prosecute the small fry cases yeah. of businessmen doing, you know, whatever it takes to ease their business or whatever. It's really call out these people and really like bring the case towards them. And these are high profile names and there are certainly huge consequences if they get this wrong, right? But Nafel has always been, the way he positioned himself and his team has always been, you know, anything for justice, right? Like their ultimate goal is not trying to win favors or trying to, you know, talk things out. It's about what is right. And I think that has been, that was such a refreshing kind of like uh, thing that was happening when Nafel started doing the work he was doing and Kapeka. And a lot of people, a lot of netizens, a lot of a lot of the population loved him because yeah, it was like, we love him. Yeah, right? like, he was he dared to uh, speak and say what we all have been thinking. Yeah, I mean, a little bit more about Nofel, his background is he was a police officer from 1999 to 2005, so about six years, um, before he was kicked upstairs to the headquarters of the police. Um, Capital P police. Yeah, Capital P police. Um, So what happened, what led up to why Nofel is back in the news again? I think, you know, right, like pulling back a little bit, just to recap what this asset attack was all about, right? Mm-hmm. On April 11, 2017, Nafel was walking back from his local mosque after morning prayer. So this was in the morning at dawn. And then he was attacked by two people on motorbikes who threw acid at his face. Um, this was during the time when Nafel and his team was investigating Satya Nofanto and the electronic identity card corruption case, which was a big case uh, that involved like millions of dollars. And it was on the news all the time. So... Nafel was on the news all the time and certainly made a lot of enemies. So this was happening during that time. A lot of people speculated that this acid attack 
had something to do with that time. And the whole thing about um, there were reports that other people were watching his house prior to this attack, that definitely fed into the whole, uh, this is not a lone wolf kind of situation, that there is a mastermind behind this. But after the attack and Nofa was being treated at various hospitals, there was no real traction in terms of the investigation, even though uh, President Jokowi had pressured the cops to really look into this, right? Mm -hmm. It's hard, as as Stephanie said, it's cops investigating cops. It's hard to really push them to be impartial in this case. And actually, uh, the case itself was under investigation for two years without any major leads. And it's only late last year, yeah. in like December, where they actually made arrests of two police officers, Ramat Kadir and Roni Bugis, who are the ones that have been sentenced uh, just last week. So a lot of this just felt like, honestly, like show trial, right? Like, are these just scapegoats that was caught and sentenced in order to basically close the case? And even the, the scapegoats case? are not getting serious like yeah type. exactly that's the other thing right it's not like, even real scapegoating um, it's like half-ass scapegoating <laughs> and it, it just felt like a lot of, it just felt like they're tying the bow in order to just like let's finish this let's just close this case resolve it whatever let's just say we got justice you know like exactly and and that's part of why for Nofel this whole thing from the very beginning from when he was first attacked he he knows this is much more than just a couple of police officers who are angry at him. Yeah. He knows there's much more, there's bigger fry behind this. But clearly, no, nobody was interested in really going after those. And I think that's why after this verdict, I mean, he's not surprised, right? And he certainly is disappointed. This is much more insulting than the actual, you know, like, the justice that he's seeking is not, that these two people, these two police officers, be sentenced. Not for him necessarily, right? Yeah. Proses terjadi uh, dalam persidangan begitu banyak kejanggalan dan begitu jauh penyimpangan dari dari uh, fakta yang objektif yang ada. Begitu juga tuntutan yang dilakukan baik pasal-pasalnya, fakta-faktanya maupun besarnya uh, ancaman hukuman yang dituntutkan itu jauh sekali dari rasa keadilan dan ini seperti justru menghina menghina penegak hukum yang berantas korupsi dan menghina proses-proses lainnya yang berjalan uh, dalam penegakan hukum yang yang fair dan jujur. This is for him, I think. And I think for us, it should be a, an insult to our democratic process as a whole, right? Because mm-hmm. he symbolizes someone who is the best of what our country has to offer. He is kind of one of the best countrymen. Yeah. And if this is how he's going to be treated, what about the other um, investigators, right? Because every time he's been interviewed, he's always like, okay, this is just one case. This is me. And this is the one where everyone's public eye is on it. And this is what happens. Whereas there are tens, if not hundreds of attacks to other people in the country who are trying to expose corruption. And no one is seeing that. And no one is making sure that justice is being carried out. So what is the incentives for Mm -hmm. people who want to eradicate corruption in Indonesia? There's no protection. There's no justice. Like, there's well, there's no protection, but there's not even justice after the fact, right? Like, that's kind of... What makes him so enraged? Like, why, you know, why is there no shame? Yeah. 
And I think, uh, you know, when we were watching the news and when we first heard of Nafobas Wedan and his, like, rise to acclaim and doing all of the good work, it was during a time where I felt like there was a great sense of optimism yeah. in, in the Indonesian political system where it's like, okay, Jokowi, you know, was symbolizing all of this promise and change against the, the old powers of the past. There's Kapeka. There's a lot of things that feels like, oh, there is hope for a truer justice, a truer democracy. Yeah. And then this happened. And then it's just sort of like revert back to default. Right. Uh, how things have always been. Yeah. And it's just it's so And one thing Nofel has noted a couple of times is that, and it's true, like Jokowi has said that he wanted justice for this case. Jokowi came out pretty quickly after this happened to say that, you know, justice and um, this needs to be investigated properly and thoroughly. And it has not been. And if you want to take a political analysis of it, like, to me, this just seems like Jokowi does not have the power as president to protect his men. I mean, the reality is a, a president of any country, unless you're a dictator, um, does not have, does not always have the sole authority or power. You, no. They have to work together with other forces at play, whether that's in the judicial courts, in the legislative courts with the politicians, or in the police and military, right? And that's the reality of the situation for somebody like Jokowi as well. He has other people that he has to work with. Yeah. And the reality is, as we've seen, even if he wants this resolved, it didn't get resolved. He had to go through like a couple of police chiefs in order to get this thing resolved. And even then, the resolution is like this. This is not resolved. Yeah, this is just like closed. The case is closed, but it's not resolved. Right. And I think for me, this felt like a litmus test, right? Not to like make a pun on the whole asset thing. But <laughs> this felt like a litmus test for Kapeka and for the idea of Kapeka. Yeah. Can there be a true independent body? that is trying to pursue true justice uh, for the good of and the people. And the answers are a sounding no, right? Like, uh, I feel like this is kind of the beginning of the end. Well, it's been declining for <laughs> a while. It's the end of the now. end. <laughs> but not not, not because of, you know, the actual Kapika prosecutors, but it, in terms of, like, the power they had. This has, I think, significantly weakened them in the future as well, right? In terms of, like who they can investigate and well they can keep investigating but the more they investigate powerful people this means that like you know if you are a brave kapika investigator you can do what you want but there are going to be consequences of that yeah when no one will protect you the justice system will not protect you the country that you are trying to protect will not protect you and i think that's kind of what's so troubling about this whole case from start to end and you know it's like uh, Nafal was attacked in 2017, right? He took a couple of months in to, broad daylight. In broad daylight, with witnesses. Um, he took a couple of months, I think, up to a year before he came back to his work. He still went back to work at Kapeka, yeah. but it, yeah. it was clear so he's an. Incredible. I mean, yeah, he's incredible. He still went back, even though he was blind in one eye and half blind on the other. But he's definitely like you could tell it significantly impact the kind of impact that he could actually do, right? He was no longer going after the big guns. Uh, A part of it is because I don't think he physically can anymore. He's like too high profile or whatever. But it just shows like, I think from the moment the acid attack happened and then there was this lack of true investigative power behind it, Mm -hmm. I felt like that was the start of the end for Kapeka.
And, you know, there has been reports, right? People have been saying, like, Jokowi, you know, reports behind the scenes that Jokowi really wants this to be dealt in a conclusive way. Yeah. Actually, like, not just for show, right? But he has no power in this sense. Like, whatever the court decides, the court decides. I don't think even the president, like, it's... He's not going to risk his political capital to get involved in that way. Yeah. And that just shows, like, how how disappointing the whole system is here in Indonesia. And I think that's what a lot of the reactions from people who have been following the news has been. It's just disappointment at what, what could have been a great example of true justice being meted out on behalf of a... Deserving son of our country. Um, yeah. Well, it's also, I think, in a way, like unfair to blame this all on prosecutors as well right Mm -hmm. because the way our justice system i think this was like something i found really interesting listening to hours of like debates on this on youtube but from nachua's interview with nofel and other people who understand indonesian law um but essentially and it's this is true like prosecutors can only go forward with charges that they can ensure that they can win and this is based on police investigation. So if they don't have any investigative proof from the police, they can't really charge more than what the evidence portrays, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like an issue as well. This is a problem stemming from the police department. And of course, like the way Kapika does it, they have the special jurisdiction as in prosecutors to investigate further, but not all prosecutors have this special power and authority to investigate on their own um what happens and what can lead to their own charges and and the reality is all of these things that we're talking about they're not they're not tied to one person in a way right we're talking about this in the context of the nofel baswedan case but the reality is he's he's one of our deserving sons who has honestly been tarnished in this case uh both physically and career-wise and but he's the only one of the people right like the system itself has so many issues that allow for this kind of paltry justice be meted out that i don't know how to fix it right like we all thought that like apeka could be the start of a new wave of institutions or some kind of like new system that could introduce real uh fair procedures and justice mm-hmm. and the reality is you know jokowi signed a law that severely diminished the power of Kapeka and its autonomy. So one, I think the Kapeka is pretty much dead at this point, symbolically. And then I don't know, I don't know how long it'll last. Um it puts a negative um viewpoint on the future of Indonesian justice, in my opinion. This this result. I'm not surprised, but I'm definitely disappointed. Yeah. And now you know it's like for Nofel himself, like this case is resolved, but it's not resolved. So what's next for him? I, um, we don't know, right? Like, I think he just got to keep working on what he does best and in the way he can. But I think it's going to be hard for him to not lose faith. Like, I think he's lost faith in the system. And I think he's just going to keep doing his best with whatever he can and whatever he has. Yeah. And he, like, honestly, for me, if he doesn't choose to do anything else from here on out, I don't blame him. And I'm still thankful for his service. Yeah. Like I I don't think I don't think he has to to me. Like like and I think to most people, like he's done enough. I applaud him, he's braver than I could ever be. Like he doesn't need to prove anything to anybody else anymore. And I just want him to be happy and safe in a way. Is that if that's weird. Like no, that makes I just sense. want the best for him. Um 
and I just don't want him to feel like pressured to to do more if that makes sense yeah um, and I think it's also I mean we gotta applaud him right like he was attacked he took almost a year to recover and he still like bit back right he was like yeah. not only going back to work but also like we need to find the people who did this yeah. and get to the bottom of it even though any reasonable person like certainly me I don't think I have enough courage to uh, to try get justice for yourself yeah and he's right like i think i think you know like what he's been saying is that there are people who are really influential behind this mm-hmm. i think that's also bravery to say that as, as opposed to like taking it laying it down because you know whenever he speaks out he's risking more he's risking more and more things that could happen to him you know yeah uh, um Things can always get worse. That's what 2020 has taught us. Things can always get worse. Yes, things can always get worse. Uh, so on that really uplifting note... Talk to you in two weeks, guys. <laughs> I hope we have better news in two weeks. But uh, I would actually encourage a lot of our listeners, right? This is the end of the road for this novel bus with an acid attack case. There's actually a lot of stuff that you can read up on or watch. Like Stephanie said, his interview with uh, Najwa... Shihab, uh-huh. It might be two hours long, but but there are uh, if you watch it in like twice the speed, maybe you'll get through it faster. Which is what I did. Um, Nofel talks quite slowly in a very deliberate, careful way as he's a prosecutor. But for some people, that might be slow because I have a very short attention span. So what I did was I just played two times the speed and I didn't yeah. lose anything, I think. Um, listeners we encourage you to read up on the case if you're interested you know uh, learn more about Nofel's work before the acid attack and you know the state of the KPK now um, I guess the thing you can do is like you know just listen about him read about him and maybe correct other people if they are talking about this crazy conspiracies in Monopoly. Yeah. I think that's the least we can do. And honestly, one of the things, if there is one silver lining out of this, is that it's hardening to see a lot of the popular response to the verdict is disappointment mm-hmm. in that a lot of the netizens and a lot of the young people are like, why? This is so disappointing. Which I guess if I wanted to find a silver lining is that the young people know the, know what's up, right? And I think in a way, like, you can be pessimistic like we are, but or maybe you can be more hopeful than we are. Like, good for you. Um, <laughs> you should be. But you should be. And I think we shouldn't. Once an opportunity will present itself, I think in the future, uh, you know, we should try and make this country a better place still in some way. Mm-hmm. And it might not be in a year, two years, three years, but eventually I think we will get somewhere like and you know like you know what like if you want to be a prosecutor or a judge and you you want to be a part of the system do that because people need people like that in the system um there's one thing about you know i still believe in incremental progress i think it's better to try for incremental progress than just give up and say like we need a revolution because that's not really going to happen in the near future but if it does cool i guess um but uh yeah i still think that we should hope for that
Thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can find more information and resources of whatever we talked about on our website, delica.id. Music credits to John Dealey, Lee Rosevere, and of course, Broke for Free. If you like what you hear and want to support us, please review our podcast on the Apple Podcast app or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. And please share our podcast with your friends. It's the best way to spread the word about Dialogica. If you want to get more involved, we'd love to hear from you. Our email is dialogicapodcast at gmail.com or just shoot us a message on our Facebook page. You can also find us on Instagram, YouTube, SoundCloud, and our Twitter. Please follow us on these various platforms. Our Twitter handle is at dialogicapod. Also, follow me on Twitter. It's Steph Tank. That's S-T-E-P-H-T-A-N-G-K. Thank you again and see you guys next time. Bye!